0: Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. I read a story, a true story last week, about a son whose dad had been an alcoholic for many years. And because of that, he passed away due to liver cancer. The son had been praying for his father for several years to accept Christ to no avail. He goes on to say that that his father died in the hospital two days later, but had not been conscious for the last four. Knowing all this, the son's pastor still came to the hospital, and he shared the gospel of Jesus to his father and told him that if he could hear him, would he want him in his life? After being totally unconscious for the last four days, the dad's eyes suddenly opened, and he nodded yes to his pastor. God's amazing grace becomes available to us upon birth, and stays available to the last seconds of our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, today, God, may we understand more about your generous grace. And God, when we understand it, may we want it for every soul. And God, may our hearts today, may our hearts and our minds be open to your words. In your ways in Jesus name I pray amen all right well good morning again it is a great day to be in the house of the Lord isn't it it is it is well today we're going to begin a new series and it's called the kingdom is and and over the next seven weeks we're going to be looking at at different features found in this kingdom but before we get into our scripture today, what I'd like to be able to do is just spend a couple minutes talking about what this kingdom is. And I hope as you hear this and, and, and kind of see where we're going with this, I hope what, what you see is also that the kingdom campaign that we have going on is such a powerful and appropriate name for what we pray that God will do on these 25 acres. Well, this kingdom that we're speaking about, of course, is the kingdom of God, or sometimes referred to as the kingdom of heaven. And this phrase is used over 70 times in the New Testament, and 30 of those are used in the book of Matthew alone. Now, Matthew refers to it as the kingdom of heaven out of sensitivity to the Jews who avoided using the sacred name of God. So, so it's the same meaning, but just with respect to all of his readers. And this kingdom is the realm where God reigns supreme and Jesus Christ is the king. And in this kingdom, God's authority is recognized and his will is obeyed. So what we see is that God completely rules and controls this kingdom. And then in the book of John, Jesus tells us that this kingdom can only be entered into by being born again through the forgiveness only Jesus can give. It's the vision of the world being reordered. I I love that. It's the vision of the world being reordered around the powerful love of God through Christ. So all things will be different. And this kingdom exists both here and now in the lives of believers as well as the perfection and fullness of our eternal life to come. So both ways. And guys, God's kingdom, this kingdom, God's kingdom is unlike any kingdom this world has ever known. And it goes against every grain of worldly wisdom. Because it's built upon the amazing grace of God that cannot be earned or bought, but only accepted. So, if you have your Bibles with you or your devices today, we're going to camp out in Matthew. Matthew chapter twenty. And we're going to look at a parable in verses 1 through 16. It's called the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Listen to how Christ tells it. He says this, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came in and each received a denarius. So when those who who came who were first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner those who were hired last worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of work in the heat of the day but he answered them am I not am am I not being unfair to you friend didn't you agree to work for a denarius take your pay and go I want to give the one who was hired last as the same as I gave you don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, now this parable may sound like it's describing this kind of purely imaginary situation, but it's really not. You see, this story would be one that the audience of the day would easily relate to because the grape harvest would take place somewhere towards the end of September, And then very close on its heels, the rainy season would come. And if the harvest was not gathered before the rain, it would be ruined. So it was always a race against time. And any worker would have been welcomed, even if they only had an hour to give. You see here, we see Jesus being that master storyteller look what he did he 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 took this parable and he put it in a way that his people could relate to it but at the same time it still has impact and meaning on us today and is still relevant even those who refused back in the day to believe that jesus was the messiah they marveled at the brilliance of his stories And as we discover who the characters are in this story, Jesus further clarifies the entrance rules to the kingdom of heaven. Entrance is by God's invitation and God's grace alone. Now, guys, if we get nothing else, which I hope you get more, but if we get nothing else out of this parable, please get this. You and I cannot be good enough to earn God's grace. But you and I cannot be bad enough to earn God's grace as well. You see, it's His gift to creation. It's His perfect plan for our redemption, given freely to all who accept the invitation. But there is more. There is so much more here. Because this parable, what it does, it has the ability to touch so many different groups of people. And you'll see that as we get into it. So what I'd like to do is just kind of dissect it with you, and let's see what God's trying to teach us. Well, the first thing we see is this. We start with a bang. As Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And he does this so his readers can get a glimpse of what God's world is like. We already know what this world's like. And that hopefully, what it does is hopefully allow us to try to live in a way that's different. To try to live in a way in our time here on earth that would point others to God. Because his ways are always, always contagious. All right, so so who are our main characters, right? We need to know in this parable, who are the main characters? Well, we started with a landowner. And this was the guy that owned all the land, the ruler. And of course, in this case, this is God. All right. And and then we see that there are laborers and workers and we find out that those are Christians. Those are believers. And that reminds us one more time that the only God's people, only those who are saved will be able to enter into God's kingdom. But what I'd like to do this morning is is put some names in that slot and kind of just re-describe the story to you. So you see, let's see if you see it just maybe a little different. So God goes out early in the morning and he goes out to hire these Christians to work for him, right? And and they agree upon whatever the wage would be for them to do this. We're told that it's a denarius, which the people in that day would be well aware of because that was the usual pay for a full day's work for a day laborer. But then later we find out that this denarius in this parable also represents the gift of final salvation. So kind of put that away as we go into the story and you read a little bit later. We know that the usual work day at this time was from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So we don't have it as bad as we think, right? And, and, and then at, it says that at 9 o'clock that, that God goes out and he sees that there are other people standing around in the marketplace doing nothing. And he, and, he, and he says to them, he says, hey, you go to work for me as well. I'll pay you whatever is right. And so we find out that they go. Well, then God does the same thing again at noon, at three, and at five. And so at the end of the day, he tells his foreman, he says, hey, I need you to pay these guys. But I want you to start with the last one and work your way to the first ones. Now, you got to know this, that, that those who worked, uh, those who begin work at five and who only worked for an hour... When they walk up to the line, they get a denarius. They get a full day's wage for one hour of work, okay? And and you got to know that if you were one of the guys that started at six and six, you're getting excited, right? You're getting excited because everybody in that line was going, wow, if they get this for an hour, what am I going to get? The exact same thing. The exact same thing. The pay was the same as the five o'clock group. And immediately this group started to grumble. How can you make them equal to us? And God answers them saying, hey, am I somehow being unfair to you? You agree to this amount of money. You agreed to a denarius. I've paid you a denarius. Take your pay and go. He says, if I want to pay the last what I pay you, don't I as God have the right to do what I want with my money? Or are you envious because I'm so generous? Again, please remember today as we talk about this, first and foremost, this parable is about generosity and the grace of God and his right to do whatever he wants with his gifts. But it also serves today as a warning And this is what I want to spend some time on because it serves as a warning to different groups about their motives and about the condition of their hearts or why they do what they do. And, And so when you see these different groups, just see if possibly you relate to one, okay? I doubt anybody would. All right. So the first we see is Jesus' disciples right? We know that there was 12 of them. And they had been with him from the very beginning, right, of his ministry. Those were seen, they were even seen as outcasts in their own community. So they had put so much into this. They had sweated and told with Jesus. They had walked miles and miles with him to do God's work. And and, and since they had been with him the longest and have worked the hardest, the world's kingdom would tell them that they should have special privileges, right? They should have something special that others would not, which is something that seems to attract us still today. Let me give you some examples of that. You may remember when James and John's mother, she asked Jesus if her sons could be on the right and left-hand side of the kingdom of God, right? Special privileges. Or when Peter looked at Jesus and he said this, he said, We left everything behind to follow you. What then is there for us? Or what about the chosen ones? What about this group that that were original Jews? Those that were direct descendants of Abraham. Those who followed God's ways more closely than anyone else in the world. Do you know they even made up ways to be more holy? Well, suddenly what happens here is these Gentiles begin to show up. And they're claiming that they too now have the gift of giving a denarius or a full day's wage of all God's benefits. Well, this made the Jews very mad because they wanted to be special all by themselves. I know that wouldn't apply today. Well, then the commentaries that I read, now please blame it on them because I know we're pound, I'm pounding you and me today, but please blame it on them because they, they did this, okay? But but here's the, the next one was about today's super Christians, okay? Maybe those who helped start the church or have been here for many years and they've been given their time and their talent and their treasures for many, many years. Don't they deserve certain rights and privileges? I mean, it's not fair that a brand new member has the same rights or is given the same thing as them, right? And then they hit one more group, just in case I hadn't stepped on your toes today. And this is the group that that claims that Jesus, that they claim him as their Savior and Lord, but they continue living the same as they did. There's no evidence in their lives of growing or serving in God's world. Could there be a warning for them? Well, you see in verse 3, if you can go back just a little bit, in verse 3, listen to what it says. We read that God goes back to the marketplace, right? And he finds this group of people, and they're doing nothing. They're being idle. And, and, And he tells them, hey, there's work to do. Go to my vineyard and work. And I know as soon as you hear this, you go, wait a minute, are you saying that we can work our way to heaven? No. No, I am not, so don't tell Rick, I am not, and we cannot, OK? But here's what, what I do want you to see is that Jesus started this parable by saying this. He says that the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of heaven is like. And then he describes God as the landowner, but then there were workers and laborers. Who were they? They were the Christians. Remember, nobody but believers will be there. They were the Christians. So no, we cannot work our way to heaven. We cannot. But once we are saved, guys, God has work for us to do. God has work for us to do. You see, we couldn't do it his way until he changed us. So once he changed our hearts through Christ, now, now and only now, God can give us these specific tasks because he has given us specific gifts to complete those tasks. And so the thing I want us to see this morning is this. In our church, there will always be holes. There will always be gaps if you and I are not doing what God's called us to do. You see, God's given everyone as a believer something to do or some things to do. And so we have to find out what that is, and we've got to get plugged in, and we've got to work in our gifting and be excited about what's going on. And, and I, I know that there are all kind of people going, well, what can I do or what do I do? You know, I physically, I can't do anything anymore. And that's fine. And we wouldn't want you to do anything that would hurt you. But I will tell you this, we need prayer warriors so bad in this place. Hey, I promise you I want somebody praying for me. We need prayer warriors praying for our pastors, for our elders, for our our staff, for our congregation, that we can be who God's called us to be. So there is a place and a role for everyone. This is such an amazing parable because Jesus structured it in a way where we have this main point, right? But then there are also these tentacles that, that reach out and hopefully touch all of us in some way. And, and, and only Jesus could put this together. But I told my wife this morning, I said, I, I feel like I'm, I'm preaching about this, and then I'm going here, and then I'm going here, and then I'm going there, and so forgive me. Because it is, uh, it's, it's interesting. But, but what I'd like to do is, is try to just try to bring it back in and, and, and summarize it a little for you. And the first thing I want us to, to, to walk away with is this. Only by God's grace. Only by God's grace can anyone ever enter into his kingdom. That's it. The second thing is that we are to be so careful with why we do what we do. We have to know our why. Our motives have to be wrapped around God. And the third thing that I want you to remember and see is this. No matter when we receive Christ as Savior and Lord, we all receive the same denarius or the same package from God. But what an amazing package it is. Think about this. We all receive forgiveness of all sin, past, present, and future, forever. We receive a new heart, which includes the Holy Spirit to guide, direct, and protect us, but to also convict us. Guys, we receive direct access. To God. We receive gifting to do the work that God has called us to be a part of. He doesn't just throw us out there, He gifts us in these ways so that we can do what we do with excellence for Him. And then we receive eternal life with God in a perfect kingdom. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to wake up and be totally pure? to be totally pure and have no ulterior motives for the first time in our lives and then forever. You know, we started today with a story about a son whose father received Christ on his deathbed. And I just wanna ask you this question and just be honest with yourself. Don't raise your hand or anything, but just be honest with yourself. Was your first reaction, that's awesome? Or was your first reaction, that doesn't seem fair? Because, guys, we don't want fair. We don't want fair. And someone told me there's really only two kinds of fairs, county and state. So (laughs) we really don't want fair, right? Because what fair says in the Bible is this. Fair says that we were sinners when we came into the world and we continue to sin. And because of that... The wages for that is death. The wages of that is separation from God forever in a place called hell. That's fair. I don't want it. How could we ever think that we deserve more than that? How can we ever think that we deserve more than the package that God has given us? And how can you and I not want that for everyone? You see, God's so much more interested in what we do than how much we do. And I pray this morning as believers that we continue growing in this area, allowing God to purify our motives. Because you see, his gift is perfect. And that means it cannot be improved on. It includes everything you and I will ever need. So how could we want more? And one of the ways that that we remember all of that that has happened for us. One of the ways that we remember what we've been given is we we take communion together. And so, if you didn't pick up your items uh, before you came, there are some in the very back on the tables out here. And as they're doing that, let me just share this with you. I, I looked up the word communion. And and yes, this is a worldly definition, but I really, I I was intrigued and I really like what it said. It said, it's the sharing or exchanging of intimate feelings, especially when this exchange is done on a mental or spiritual level. Well, just as the Passover honored God for sparing Israel and delivering them from Egypt. Do you remember that when they took the Passover and they had to put the blood on top of their door and, and, and they would be passed over? Well, it's the same thing, you see, because with, with communion, what we honor God by for sparing our lives, right? We honor God for sparing our lives and delivering us from the power of sin and death so that we might have a personal relationship with him sitting around a table at the Last Supper, Jesus passed the bread to all there. And he he said this. He said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Jesus Christ gave his body for us. Will you take it? The next thing he does is, He took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying this. He said, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. May you and I never forget. I'm going to close in prayer, and before you get too excited, Tyler's got a few more things with you, so, so just hang, hang tight, okay? And last, last, I didn't say that last time, and it and, and, uh, kind of freaked him out a little bit, so hang in there. But let me pray. God, may we continue to be amazed at the love you have for each of us. And as we remember, God, all that you have done for us, God, may we dedicate our lives to living and sharing the truth of Jesus. Lord God, we realize this is a journey and that there will be challenges, but may we never forget, Lord God, that you have provided all that we all that we need. And God, may we please fall more in love with you daily. And may we want this for every soul in this world. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.